Welcome in to an all-new episode of Cold Weather Bats. This is episode seven. We are coming to you on the first episode of February by the time this gets put out. Uh, I'm Brian Sikowski, one of your hosts. As always, I'm joined by Brandon Justice. Brandon, how are you this week? I'm doing good. February. We, uh, we, we've hit the third month that we've covered something with the show, so that's, that's good. In episode seven, we're pushing in on double digits here. Uh, everything's going good. Everything's going good. Busy, busy, just like, just like we always are. Busy, 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 during the winter at least. We are now in the, the home stretch of the season. You know, we're like one month away from the month of the season starting in. Um, we're, so, you know, if you wanted to really, really squint and, and look at things from that perspective, man, we're getting there. We're getting real damn close and I'm excited about it. Yeah, we are, we are closing in, which is good. It's, uh, it's definitely different. I mean, that's, that goes without, I mean, that goes without being said. I mean, we all know how different things are right now. Um, so naturally the season has been entire the season preparation has been entirely different. Um, but uh, I, for one, am pretty excited. I think that, like we said, we've been optimistic about being able to play. Uh, I, I think just baseball is going to be treated probably with a different lens than most other sports, just given that a it's outdoors with a really low volume with the roster, uh, where it gets tricky is probably like the away games and all that for the high school teams. Um, but at the very least we will get college ball, which will be extremely interesting. And, uh, there's a lot of variables out there, uh, that could happen this year with college baseball. And I think it's going to be extremely interesting. Um, probably the opposite of college football. I think college football is really lame this year. Uh, not just like, I mean, I get like all the scheduling, things were, were out of everyone's control but i just think the product was lackluster which i mean was obviously they were they were rushed and all that but i i think college baseball would be great I, I am i'm really looking forward to college baseball obviously their season was taken from them last year so i think everyone kind of has a chip on their shoulder going into this season uh, and i for one am pretty excited to see how they all respond and it seems to be extremely enthusiastic about a season going for uh, for college Speaking of college baseball, both of our guests this week are college baseball players. Uh, as we decided to kind of go back player centric this week uh, with with the guests and and who we have on the show, uh, we're going to be joined by Aaron Ball, uh, right handed pitcher at Tulane, who comes to us via Lakeland High School as well as Kankakee College, a junior college in Illinois. Uh, such a great interview with him. Kind of uh, really just. Uh, takes a cerebral look at his own story uh, with some hilarity along the way. And, and uh, we had a great conversation with him. We're looking forward to you hearing that. And Brennan Cox, a left-handed pitcher from Wayne State, who was a Taylor native and a Riverview Gabriel Richard grad and one of the, the better D2 pitchers in the country. Um, he's going to join us to, to give us more of a local look, um, a guy that I've known for a while and coached a long time ago when he was in high school and um, – just a, just a good conversation there with Brennan as well. Uh, to get some housekeeping stuff out of the way before we dive into the interviews, uh, you can follow the show on Twitter, at ColdWeatherBats. Um, as we've said, we want to do a Super Bowl as far as like, you know, this is our top 25 every two weeks of, of Michigan high school baseball teams without any of the division restrictions, you know, not going one to four, just everybody's in the same mishmash and let's see if we can figure out who the best 25 are. And we want that to be done with your help. And we're talking to you coaches, uh, head coaches, assistant coaches. We, we want your input on that. So if you can DM us your email address, that would be appreciated. The DMs to the, the show Twitter are always open. 
Um, once we get closer to the actual season starting, we'll be in contact as far as the best way to go about doing that, the best way to, to vote, the best way to submit your polls. Um, Brandon and I still have to figure out the minutia, uh, but we'll do that. I promise we will. Uh, and we'll get it done. And, and I think that'll be a really cool little thing for us to have every couple weeks. Um, yeah, I think I think it's like I think it's awesome. Like I, I personally believe that, you know, obviously we're trying to do things that are, you know, kind of filling like a gap that hasn't been there um, from the show standpoint. But with the poll, I mean, if I'm if I'm a coach or I'm a player on, on a team uh, in across the state anywhere, like. I'm looking forward to that. You know, I, I'm I'm trying to. I, I have some pride in being on that poll personally. I mean, they haven't really had. There hasn't been a, a a consistent poll released throughout the year. There's that preseason poll, and, and that's kind of it. I mean, I, I don't know if MLive still does their little thing where they they release some stuff every so often. But to my knowledge, this will be the most unofficially official poll that there is. That's continuous throughout the season for Michigan high school baseball. So personally, I think it's pretty awesome. Yeah, and like there's there's uh, publications that do a good job with national polls, you know, like throughout the year. But as far as specific to Michigan, like I don't, you know, the MHSBCA at the beginning of the year, and then you know if M Live updates it or whatever, you know, whatever the, the story is. I don't know. I think it's going to be really cool. I'm looking forward to it. But we've probably gotten twelve to fifteen coaches' emails. We would obviously like as many as humanly possible to make it as representative as a sample as we can. Uh, so if you can get your email to us, like I said, man, we, we'd all really, really appreciate it. Um, Brandon, they can follow you on Twitter at coach underscore B justice. You can follow me on Twitter at B underscore Sikowski underscore PG. Um, and with that, we're going to wrap the intro. We are going to jump right into uh, our, Aaron Vol- our Aaron Ball interview. Pardon me. I know how to speak. Episode 7, Cold Weather Bats. Getting into uh, our first interview segment of the episode, we're joined by Aaron Ball. Uh, Aaron is a Lakeland High School grad, which obviously we just touched on Lakewood, uh, Lakeland last week in a totally different, unrelated segment. Uh, also went the JUCO route out of high school to Kankakee in Illinois and is now looking like he's going to be a pretty big piece of the Tulane pitching staff this upcoming spring. Aaron, thanks for joining us, man. Hey, guys. Thank you for having me. You know, it's always a pleasure. Um, you know, excited to be on. We're, uh, we're happy that uh, Cold Weather Bats is at the point where people are excited to hear from us when we ask them to come on the show rather than who. Um, so I think we, we've done a good job building the brand in that sense. Aaron, I guess, I guess let's just start at the beginning, man. You know, I seen you pitch at Lakeland, like obviously on some pretty good teams there. We'll ask you the same question. We've asked a lot of our other player guests, like what, uh, you know, what stands out for you as far as your most memorable, memorable game or most memorable performance or anything like that? You know, the most memorable game that we ever played was our last ones together. It was the game in my senior year. It was supposed to be on a Friday, I believe, against Northville for the regional championship. And it got rained out. So we had to move to the next day. We were already warming up for that game. Um, took it 0-0 into the sixth. Um, hung a curveball with a guy on second. Poked it in the left, and we score- they scored. Took it bottom seven. One nothing bases loaded and Kevin Krill 
was a freshman at the time and uh, hit a hard ground ball, dove at second base, flipped it to shortstop and turned a double play to end our season. And, you know, I've never cried so hard just because the, the group we had that year, um, you know, I've never had a team like that. It's never been so special for me. And, uh, yeah, I still get, like, kind of emotional talking about it because I remember just, like, punching my window and, you know, just, like, crying with all my teammates. <laughs> so that game was uh, most memorable. So take us through kind of what you learned at Lakeland and uh, what it has done for you, uh, you know, now at Tulane and then everything in between. Yeah, um, so my my junior year, you know, I don't know – no one knew who I was. I honestly, I threw two innings, like threw 79 miles an hour. Um, I was like really overweight and I just like baseball wasn't my thing. Um, and I kind of realized, you know, I'm not going to get into college with, um, with the grade point I had at the time. And, uh, I decided to like take school and baseball more seriously. I lost like 30 pounds and got up to like 86, 88 after just doing like a driveline style program. And that's when I went to a showcase and, you know, I decided, Hey, I'm going to go to the junior college route. I was committed to Northwood fall my senior year, but then I decided to decommit, go Juco. And, uh, you know, I learned like it just perseverance is the one thing, you know, and if you really want something, you got to go get it and you got to give it your all. And that's like one thing where when we, when we made that team, when the team was decided in March, um, we had a lot of dudes that like were persevering through a lot of things. Like we had kids who were cut who never played varsity and they had big roles on our team. What, uh, taking us through to uh, Kankakee, man, like how did that recruitment sort of come about? What, uh, what led you to be matched with them as far as where you were going to take the next step of your journey? Yeah. So I remember just getting a random call one day from coach Schaefer, who's our pitching coach there. And he said, Hey, we're gonna, we, we like what we saw. And I'm, I'm like, where did you see me? And he's like, Oh, don't worry about it. I'm like, all right, man, sounds good. <laughs> and they go and they were like yeah we, they won the national championship in 2017 so i was like oh they must be pretty legit like cool go on my visit there supposed to see a practice and, it, and like like a like just a practice and i think it was a two-day practice in a game but instead uh the game got rained out and we made tacos uh <laughs> one of our one of the players dads made tacos and we just hung out in our 14 person freshman house called k-dome and uh I was like, you know, this feels like home. It was in the middle of nowhere. If you've ever, no one's ever heard of Kankakee. It's cornfields and that's all it is. Cornfield, a little downtown. And I just said, if I want to take baseball seriously, I have to escape from, you know, Michigan. And I I need to not know anybody and just get a fresh start for my life. And that's like, that's the whole reason I went there because it was, no one knew where it was. I mean, they had some, they had, they had good teams and good coaches, but in hindsight, looking at it, I really wish I would have saw a practice because junior college practices at Kankakee are, um, we run a lot. We run a lot for, um, <laughs> for no reason at all. <laughs> I wish I would have known that coming in, but at the end of the day, you know, I, I still loved it so much. I love that you, uh, you kind of brought up that point on your own as far as like, you know, the Juco route is for people who want to get better at baseball and like work hard. And that's literally it. If you don't want to do those things, don't go there. Uh, we, I know we had similar conversation with Colin Chikowski earlier uh, in earlier episodes, and he echoed some of the same sentiments. Um, so what I, I guess once you get there and you, you know, all right, I'm going to Kankakee, I'm, I'm going to be a Juco player. 
Um, what's the first fall like? Like, were you just, like you mentioned with the running, man, was it just all a surprise? Was it all something you'd never experienced before? Um, we ran, I mean, coach Farquhar wasn't shy to running us, but we had a lot more freedom. So coach Farquhar ran us a good amount, but you know, we just kind of jogged the poles and we just, you know, we just half-assed it. But I remember doing 27 outs for the first time. It's 97 degrees. And this is three hours into the practice and 27 outs for us is if you don't get 27 outs in a row, you run from home three thirty to the right field, all the way to the other three thirty sign back home in under a minute five. And if you don't make it, you have to do it again. I think we ran 11 poles or 11 triangles. And, uh, the first fall was fun. I mean, going to, uh, I believe it, the best Midwest in Indiana was a lot of fun, you know, showing 89 for the first time thinking I was awesome you know like i'm gonna get committed out after my freshman year <laughs> um but you know, we had a good team my freshman year um and you know i was kind of, i was kind of the guy me and bobby nowak were freshmen who were like the one-two punch and you know i kind of got thrown into that role that's why that's why i went to kanka keys because i knew that i could step in and play right away rather than going to either even a bigger juco or going to a d2 and having to earn my stripes i kind of just got thrown in there and like yo you're gonna go throw 50 innings and you're going to figure it out. You're going to face John A. Logan with kids who are probably going to, you're going to see in the big leagues one day. So talk about that process. Um, I know you, like you said, like when you were, when you were throwing 89 and you kind of had that first itch of like, Hey, this is going to be real, or at least it feels like it's going to be real. When did it become real? Like the recruitment, um, by four years, uh, what was that process like? And then what ultimately led you to where you are now? Yeah. So I remember, going after my freshman year, I've got a lot of some calls. I mean, even during my freshman year, I, I hit 93 or 94 one time. And the thing with Juco is, especially if you go to a smaller school like Kankakee, where you're not going to get many scouts coming in to see other players, you know, the marketing aspect of it, like Twitter, like Twitter is the main reason where, why I, I kind of have a, like recruited, you know, like I post videos on Twitter of my outing with a radar gun and, that kind of started to brew a little bit. And then in the Northwoods, I had a really good year through 40 something innings with like a two A ERA and was a freshman. And I remember getting, starting to like send out emails about like, Hey, like I'm going back to Kankakee for my sophomore year. Like just want to like connect. And I remember getting like four or five calls from a couple of schools. Like, Hey, like we kind of want you now. So I took, a, I took some visits in the summer to, you know, some pretty good schools, but ultimately I decided to go back to Kankakee because the money wasn't there, you know, like I wanted to go and I, I wanted to even get drafted. Like you know, going to my sophomore year, like I was like, Hey, I'm going to try and get drafted. I remember. And then shout out Noah Sharp. I'll give him a shout out. He called me one day and he goes, Hey man, uh, how do you feel about like going to school in like Louisiana? I'm like, that'd be sick. And he's like, all right, well, don't be, be expecting a call from Tulane soon. I'm like, all right, man, sounds great. Um, went to the Bets Midwest my sophomore year, shoot through two innings, five punch outs. And they called me and said, Hey, and they offered me and I came down here on my visit and it was a quick process. I came down here. I honestly, I committed on my visit. I fell in love with the school, the atmosphere, the city, and it was quick. It was honestly a quick process, but there were a lot of other schools that uh, I was in contact with. But when you have the stadium, the conference we play in, the chance to come in and play right away, um, it's, it was unbeatable. It was, it was a no brainer decision. Me and my family thought about the education side of it, how it's one of the greatest uh universities in the country and the baseball side when they went 15 and two and then the season got shut down it's like hey we could compete for 
you know, regional, we can compete for a super regional, like screw it. Let's like, why not let's just go to Omaha and win the whole thing. Like that's our mindset right now. Hell yeah, man. Uh, was it like a thought process in your head? Like, Hey, you know, I went to high school in Michigan. I'm playing Juco ball in Illinois. Like I want to go South or was it just more Tulane was the perfect fit? Um, you know, I remember looking at Tulane in my senior year, just like running into it. I'm like, Oh, this place looks sweet. And then like, that was the end of that. But when I came down here, it was never, it was never playing the South. It was always, you know, compete for, compete for something, you know, be something bigger than that, be, be something bigger than yourself. Um, you know, like coming in right now, like we have some dudes, like, and you know, it's, it's a fun process to, you know, not be the top dog anymore. Like, you know, it's, it's a good thing to be put back into the place where like, Hey, you got to work harder than everybody now. And we have guys that are, you know, I, I hope we have some dudes that are, we're going to see in the, you know, seeing the bigs one day for me, it was, it was never going south. It was just like finding the right fit. And it was always kind of the right fit. <laughs> and I didn't know it until I came down here and I met coach Jewett, coach Ullman, coach Latham and Izio coach Izio was here at the time. Um, and I just, they made it seem like home. We're, we're a family. We're really family oriented, oriented, um, rather than, you know, your head coach is kind of some guy that scares you. It's like, I live with coach Jewett's son and his family is kind of my family. And it's a, you know, that's the greatest thing about it is that we're all just kind of family based and we all love each other. And we're, we all, we ride for each other, no matter if you're pitching one inning or if you're pitching 80 of them. Speaking of pitching, what is the Aaron ball arsenal now? What, what has become the 79 year old or 79 mile per hour fat kid at Lakeland? Like, what is that right now? Right now, it's well. Um, you know, it's still it's still like eighty eight, ninety one. <laughs> I I popped in the summer. I hit ninety five. I was you know doing a velo phase, but it's still high eighties, low nineties. With um, I remember when I committed on my I submitted a tweet out. You quoted the tweet. And you're like, you know, solid breaking ball. It's gonna miss bats. It's still <laughs> it's still curveball slider first, and then you're gonna get a fastball, maybe one two to try and sneak it by you. It's uh, it's not, it's nothing that's going to overpower you, but it's, you know, it's going to be a swing and miss curveball, and it's going to be a slider that hopefully gets you to chase and the fastball that I didn't, that you didn't think I had, but it's there. And maybe a change up every now and then, depending on who's in the box. So tell me this, what's your, what's your hardest pitch to hit? If I'm getting in the box, what's the pitch that you know for a fact? I mean, maybe not, let's not use me as an example. Uh, let's use somebody who's, who's still, someone who can actually hit somebody who, somebody oh. who can swing at 33 proficiently, unlike me. Uh, who, what are you throwing to that guy? You know, <laughs> that's a funny question. Cause I always thought my curveball was really good. And then I played against justice Bigby. Do you know that name, Brian, by chance? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Western Carolina kid who was the Northwoods player of the year. I know yep. I just, I threw, I threw him a curveball, and it was, it was dirty, but it was like a hit and run where Charlie Maxwell was playing second base and he kind of crashed and he just took it and just kissed it to right field at like 90 off the bat. And I'm like, you know, it's not about how good my pitches are. It's just kind of about me where I'm going. But I, you, if I have to get you out, it's going to be curveball, curveball, curveball. It's just going to be one, one at the belt, one in the dirt maybe a fastball to try and break it up and then another one in the dirt. Like that's, that's what it's going to be. Um, if I'm trying to get someone who's really good out, it's going to be try and try and get it for weak contact, man. I'm not going to try and blow it by him because if I, I know if I do 91 is going to be put over the fence. <laughs> it's just going to be a, it's going to be something that that's moving something that hopefully just like, Oh, caught him off guard. And that's where I use the changeup a lot with the changeup is like, 
you know, it's not going to move a ton, but it's going to be 82, 83. And you're going to be like, oh, it ran a little bit. Hopefully cap it and let Trevor Minder pick it up and throw it across the diamond and get it out. Amen. Great, great explanation, man. Uh, <laughs> this has been a fantastic interview, dude. We're going to we're going to close this down uh, with some rapid fire like Brandon and I have said on previous shows and have kind of experimented on each other. Uh, we wanted to sort of bring this rapid fire segment into our actual guest interviews. And Aaron, congratulations. You're the first guy we're going to try it out on. So no pressure. All right, we got five questions for you. Just rapid fire, going to rattle them off. You give me the first answer that jumps into your head, like right off the top of your head. All right, I might blank. I'm not really good on the spot, but let's roll. Well, we're going to put you on the spot. Like if you're trying to come in in the seventh inning in a big situation, like you got to be on the spot sometimes, okay? It's time to grow up. Yeah, 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 I got you. Let's go. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, first question, Super Bowl champion, go. Chiefs. Fair. Uh, the next Detroit sports team to actually be good will be? Red Wings. Way too early World Series pick for 2021. Dodgers. Way too early NCAA College World Series pick for 2021. Tulane Greenwave. Damn right. Uh, favorite single pizza topping? Black olives. And who was your most played artist of 2020? Luke Combs. Boy, he was going so strong too, Brandon, and then he just killed it at the <laughs> oh, end. That's a shame. Uh, That's a shame. I have a question. Brian, do you ever listen to In This Moment? Do you know who In This Moment is? I don't. No. Should I? So listen to In This Moment. There's two songs that me, Cooper Dundas, Jack Duncan, a lot of other really good Michigan baseball players listen to when we train. It's Blood by In This Moment and Adrenalize by In This Moment. And if you want something to like make you want to rip someone's head off, those two songs are elite me okay. me davis me davis feldman we all throw to him it's uh it's something that those two songs i know you're a big rock guy and i'm so sorry that 88 seven is now country back in uh back in detroit i right. saw your tweet and i i came home and i was like i got another country station i can just think like brian's like over there just like really upset that he has no <laughs> stations to listen to anymore i don't even know what the what is what's the other rock station there i don't know it's just Spotify, man. I get in a, I get in a truck and Spotify comes on. There's nothing yeah, else. Yeah, you listen to your you listen to your emo your emo. Uh, That's correct. That's correct. Yes. I'm a big I'm a big Twitter follower of yours, Brian. Don't you? I, I, I see you tweet. Don't worry. <laughs> I, I would like to apologize on behalf of my Twitter to everybody who follows me and has to see my tweets. I wish you would have asked me who the Michigan who who do you think's the best team in Michigan right now? Because I was going to say Orchard Lake St. Mary's, but I I'm honestly upset that. Um, I think Lakeland would actually still be Orchard Lake St. Mary's. I think. Oh, I know. Well, we're going to find out. We actually beat them nine to three, and I still give Logan Wood some crap about it. He's a sophomore, and me and Aaron Spry kind of like diced you guys up, and uh, I hit Dylan Park <laughs> three times in one game. And was, I remember that. I remember that. I think that that's one thing I wanted to bring up is that the MHSBCA is kind of, you know, we won, I, you saw my tweet, we won 100 games in three years, and we haven't. That, that's what that's the last thing I'll leave is that Lakeland High School is we you know could make a run for the state championship this year. I hope that uh I hope that we have a chance and I hope we get to play. That's the thing. Yeah, you know, let them play. I uh Brandon and I touched on this I think last week or two weeks ago. Brandon, um, he and I are both a little I guess more optimistic about that than some others. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe I just don't know enough. But and I'll be. Egg on the face soon, I'm sure. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I just kind of feel like it's baseball, man. You know, 
it's a little different, I guess, when you look at it in a vacuum. But in high school, in high school, even you know they played football, and there weren't cases across the country. And football is something that's like that. I think for kids who go home every day and you know they're locked down, it's they're they're less risk than college students. I know that currently, right now, we're not allowed to have any fans, and I'm hoping that changes. We have a six thousand person stadium, and I I think we could fit 150 of our family members in there. But yeah. nationwide, you know, everybody needs to be safe. You know, that's that's what I'm hoping for. I'm hoping that when we get to Omaha, you know, it's a packed stadium with masks or with screening and COVID tests, COVID cards. I, I'm just hoping that people get to see like all of our hard work that we, uh, you know all these kids are putting in. Like I wish, that, I hope that that's the biggest thing is that people get to do that and get to see like how hard we've been trying because it's been a mental and a physical um, effort on our part. Yeah, man. There's no yeah. doubt about it, man. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, but I just want to say thank you guys for this, and it's a it's a great opportunity to just, you know try and spread the game in a state where uh, baseball is growing definitely, but it's hard because it's uh, still snowing, and I know that we play in 19 days, and um, it's going to be about 75 degrees, and for y'all, it's going to still be snow on the ground. So <laughs> I'm glad thank that you, you got for that. Out that. Yeah, but, um, <laughs> hey, you'll be you'll probably be somewhere, Brian. You're never you're never even in Michigan, dude. Your Marriott points or your Hyatt points are probably through the roof. You have a hundred. <laughs> it's Marriott. It's Marriott. Show some respect. Yeah, it's Marriott. Yeah. You okay. fly Delta too? Only Delta. Only Delta. Delta Sky Miles. Oh yes. yeah, I got my card too. Don't worry. Flying Spirit is like <laughs> is like the opposite of a vaccine. Dude, I flew I flew Spirit on my visit here, and I thought I was gonna die. <laughs> it's like the uh, Tower of Terror at Disney World, but in real life, like there's no safety, there's no safety guarantee when you fly Spirit. It's it's like it's literally a roller coaster. And you only get the uh, you only get the mask to drop down if you slide your credit card too. So you know, could be on the lookout for that. It's okay. I think we'll all survive. Um, fly Spirit every now and then. You know, it's, you need to have a little adrenaline in your life to, to be okay. <laughs> But you know, if you ever, if you, Brian, if you ever come down here, I'm actually gonna ask you if you can fly Spirit, just so you get the feeling of flying oh, into New Orleans. It's a no. Is Spirit like the JUCO of airlines because it's inexpensive and gets you to your destination in a different? Uh, that's Frontier. That's Frontier, dude. No, that's Spirit's the D three because they have you have to. You're getting. You're paying. <laughs> like you're pay. Yeah. You're paying to do that. You're paying to play. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. All right, before James, before our producer kills us, we are going to wrap this segment up. Okay. <laughs> uh, Aaron, thank you for joining us, man. That was A1. That was fantastic. We really appreciate it, and good luck this spring, man. I appreciate luck, man. you guys. Thank you so much. Thank you. You have a good day. Interview number one here on episode seven of Cold Weather Bats. We're happy to be joined by Wayne State left-handed pitcher Brennan Cox. A Riverview Gabriel Richard alum, uh, a CHSL champion, and uh, Taylor native, downriver guy. We're, we're going back to our roots again here. Coxie, thanks for joining us, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. Glad to be here. So, Coxie, I know your, your kind of origin story pretty well, considering I was there for a couple of years of it uh, when I was coaching at GR. And, like, you know, I, I can't really stress to the listeners enough just how, like, exciting the the ascension of Brennan Cox has been from, like, what he was at 15 to what he's turned himself into. So, Coxie, if you could kind of tell us in your words, you know, like, what what am I talking about? But tell it in your words. Um. Yeah, so, uh, well, when uh, when you were the coach of GR, um, 
as a sophomore. I think uh, I actually remember making that uh, recruiting video with you. And uh, much to the enjoyment of my current teammates at Wayne State, uh, they like to play it during bus rides uh, quite a bit when I'm, you know, barely touching 80 miles an hour. And it's kind of funny for everybody, but I, I enjoy looking at it too. Uh, and they, they're a big fan of your commentary too. Uh, gets a lot of laughs. Um, Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, uh, I was a sophomore and uh, I, I just started kind of getting into the weight room and, um, and really like taking baseball and, and, you know, my body really seriously. Um, you know, I, I still really remember I, I took to heart pretty, pretty well a conversation that you and I had, I think uh, either my freshman or my sophomore year. Um, where I, I, you know, I had asked you, you know, like, what's your, you know, what's your scout's uh, opinion of me? Like, you know, what's, I want, I want no, uh, no sugarcoating. Just tell me how it is. You know, I know that I know, you know, I'm a bigger guy, you know, I got to lose weight. That's going to be the number one thing, um, at the time. Um, and you know, I, I wanted you to give it to me straight and you did for sure. And gave me a lot of things to think about. And, um, we've talked about that a few times. Uh, since then, um, you know, I took it, I took it to heart really well. I, um, I was playing on the football team and I, I didn't really know anything about football at the time. Um, I just knew that there was a lot of exercise involved and I really needed it, uh, if I wanted to be good at baseball and if I wanted to get in good shape. So, um, went, uh, pretty hard at that, um, got in the weight room and, and pretty much lived there and, you know, have been living there for, um, for, since my sophomore year. And that's been a big part of, of my development is kind of like, you know, the development in the weight room and going from going from a guy with, you know, maybe a little bit of arm talent in high school, but not, not anything else to go with it. Um, and, you know, even the mental toughness side of it, you know, I was really soft and, uh, you made sure to tell me that. And, you know, I appreciate that. Um, it, you know, helped me look in the mirror and, um, it helped me really see like, Hey, this is what I need to do. And if I don't do it, I'm just going to be like, if I'm lucky, I'll just be average. Or I'll just be like, okay. At baseball. Um, you know, so I really got in the weight room, um, started to notice a difference, you know, for my sophomore and my junior year. And like immediately the velocity started going up. Um, you know, in that video, I think I was topping 80 miles an hour, um, as a sophomore. And then uh, by my junior year, um, even though I had an injury, I think by the end of the year, I was up to about a six. Um, and then following that year, um, is when, uh, Wayne state started talking to me. Um, I had emailed them pretty consistently, um, to get, to get them interested. And, uh, and then, you know, kept at it, kept working really hard. Um, trying to just work on anything that I saw as a weakness. And for me, that was mostly my body at the time. Um, and then, so junior year to senior year, um, I went from top in 86 and I think I was a somewhere between 88 and 90. Most of my senior season ended up getting, uh, getting coach Hepner and coach Kelly to, uh, to let me come on at Wayne state and, uh, continue my development from there. And, you know, still taking, uh, the weight room really seriously, still like, you know, I remember one time, um, I think my senior year, um, I even went to, uh, 
a basketball conditioning, which was kind of notorious at GR. I don't know if, uh, if you remember that, but, uh, coach Dyack's basketball conditioning is notorious for just being terrible and just like grueling. And so I went there and it's a week long for, for those guys that a week or two. Uh, so I went there and participated in a day of it. Uh, coach Dyack is also the athletic director at uh, Gabriel Rochard. And he was uh, very generous to let me, you know, kind of run with them on the side. And that's what it was. It was an hour of sprinting, essentially, and, you know, suicides, backs, pretty much everything. And, uh, and that was just, you know, that's just kind of the kind of stuff I liked to do in high school to just, you know, find my limits and, and, you know, see how hard I could push myself and see if it, if it helped me, you know, there are some things that I did that were hard, but didn't really help me out. And there are some things that ended up helping me out. Uh, I know junior year I got hurt. And, um, when you were still coaching at GR, that's pretty much all I did was run during practices. You know, I couldn't really do anything with my arm. Um, I broken a, a finger and, uh, you know, that kind of showed me cause I was consistently running every day. It just kind of showed me, you know, where I, how much, I could get out of myself if I just like stayed at it consistently. Um, you know, so that was, that was high school. So I made a pretty big jump from, from sophomore to senior year. And that was, I think, taking somebody that had never been in a weight room to, um, to really getting after it and just like throwing myself at it. You know, I would, you know, some days I would go to uh, the local rec center, uh, before school and get some, get some cardio and like hop on the elliptical or do whatever, just to, just to try to get in really good shape for, for baseball. And, um, you know, fast forward to Wayne state. And that was a, a pretty big, like wake up call for me. You know, I, I had a lot of success at, at GR and, uh, in the Catholic league. And, uh, you know, when you come, when you make that transition from high school, to college, it's, it's a culture shock. You know, you're used to being usually most guys that go to, go to a decent university that you're used to being one of the better guys on the team. And, um, you know, not to say that that, you know, got in my head or anything, but, um, you know, you, you go from, from that to you're the, you're the low guy in the totem pole. And, uh, and you really, you know, I had, I found myself feeling like I felt, you know, freshman and sophomore year in high school all over again. And, you know, I was like, all right, here we go again. Just gotta, you know, really get after it and, you know, start from the, start from the bottom up again. And, um, I did a lot of that in the weight room, but, um, you know, with how much I had, how much time and effort that I had spent in the weight room, um, during high school, it, uh, it, it turned to other, other areas of my game. So, um, I, when I went into Wayne state, I only had two pitches. Um, and my fastball was, you know, I threw pretty hard, and, uh, and my slider slurred my curveball, whatever. It's, it's kind of, uh, it's kind of a middle between a slider and a curveball. My coach likes to call it a curveball, but, um, uh, that was, that was probably my, be- I mean, that was my best pitch of the two for sure. Um, but you know, my coach told me, Hey, if you want to get any meaningful innings, um, outside of being like a short reliever, you need to get a third pitch. So, um, I took that really seriously. Um, I started working on it every day. I threw it, um, and catch play every day, you know, I mean, I even had coach Kelly, um, sending me pitch grips, you know, at random times of the day. And it's just, that kind of just speaks volumes to how seriously he takes his players and, um, and how much he wants us to succeed. And he really, he really goes the extra mile for us. Um, um, you know, whether it's at the baseball level or at the administrative level, just dealing with like housing and you know stuff like that. He's, 
So before uh, you dive into that, Brandon, before you dive into Wayne State, yeah. uh, I want to point out you, you went on a nice little tangent there about the weight room and how important that is, uh, not only to the high schoolers, but then you talked about the jump from when you went from high school to Wayne State. So what I want you to kind of break down for us before we dive into Coach Kelly, because I definitely want to touch on Coach Kelly, but before we get there, uh, take us through the discrepancies of what it means to get in the weight room as a serious high school baseball player as opposed to a college athlete. And if you could even give those high schoolers listening to this right now maybe a tip on some things that are different at the college level in the weight room than high school and how they can prepare for that now. Um, yeah, for sure. Um, well, as far as um, going at the weight room if you're in high school, uh, I, you know, my approach might have been different than other people's. I, uh, I, I, you know, I met a my high school strength coach. Um, ended up turning into like another father figure for me. He was, a, I mean, he was a big part of, you know, my transformation. I guess from you know, you know, pudgy little high school guy to somebody that might have a chance at playing college. Um, and so, you know, I spent, you know, a few to like, you know, four or five days a week training with him. And he really had a, a very like bulldog mentality, you know, just like he, he was an old, old power lifter from back in the day. And, uh, so, you know, he really instilled in that, in me, that, um, that hard nosed attitude really helped me just to not be as soft as I was, um, which I definitely needed. So, you know, it came at the right time, but if I had any advice, um, for the high school guys, you know, without going off on too much of a tangent would just be to really like, really throw yourself into it and really like take it seriously because every day that you're, every day that you're not getting better, you're getting worse or you're staying the same, which is you know pretty much the same when everybody else that is getting in the weight room is getting better. Um, Coxie to that point about uh, like, if you're not doing something today, you know, like you're not really trying to make yourself better and how you can always progressively get better you're a guy who's who's into the data. You're into the pitch design stuff. You're into the the advanced analytics as far as pitching and player development goes. Can you kind of give us a breakdown of like what you've been working on since the summer when you, you played in the Michigan Collegiate Baseball League? What have you been trying to do and how has data and that that sort of thing helped you? Yeah, for sure. Um, well, I mean, data is data's something I'm, I'm fairly new to. Um, uh, I had never had any interaction with it during high school. Um, and you know, the first year or two at Wayne state, um, we didn't really have much either. Uh, we ended up getting a, a rap Soto, um, which for people that don't know is kind of like an advanced, like analytics tool. Um, and it picks up all of the, all of this like advanced data on each pitch that you throw. And, um, you know, I'm still learning it and trying to understand what everything means and, and not just understand what it means, but how to apply it and how to use it to, um, to enhance my stuff and to like address any issues. Um, you know, so I, we really got into it, um, this year, this, uh, over the summer with our new pitching coach, um, and our new, uh, data analytics player development, uh, coach, um, Brendan Kelly and Jordan Eady. Um, and they really, you know, they, they really know their way around the machine and they know how to, how to look at that data and, you know, say, Hey, your, your ball's spinning this way and it's plotting this way on this graph. Um, maybe, maybe let's try this so that it, it plays better off your fastball, you know? Um, 
and that's, you know, that's, you know, looking at that, that graph on the Rapsodo is not something that I'm really familiar with yet, but, um, over the summer I worked a lot on spin efficiency um, on my fastball. Um, and for, for those who don't know, uh, spin efficiency is pretty much just the, um, is how true your ball spins, you know, so it's not tumbling through the air. Um, it's basically, um, you know, you know, some people say that like, um, you know, better efficiency gets, gets better movement or more movement or more true movement. Um, I, I don't really know a ton about it, but all I know is that um, I needed to improve that. So I started working with, uh, with uh, coach Brendan Kelly um, over the summer. And we, I started throwing uh, clean fuego balls, which are basically like plastic baseballs with the sides cut off. Them. And um, it's kind of just like a visual tool to see, you know, cause if you're throwing it right, it's going to, it's going to spin really smooth. And it's, it's not going to look like it's tumbling, but if you throw it wrong and your efficiency is low, um, it's going to tumble pretty bad. So it kind of it's kind of just that visual um, element to help you, you know, self correct. Um, and you know, spin efficiency and and stuff is kind of the majority of what I have learned so far. Um, there's a lot of other. I mean, there's there's vertical and horizontal break, and that that all plots on an axis on an x and y axis. And, um, uh, I know personally, like I have, a, I have a little bit of a higher spin rate. Um, you know, so I, mine is anywhere from like 2,400 to 2,500 RPMs, um, somewhere in that range, maybe a little higher on some days, maybe a little lower, but, uh, <clears throat> but yeah, that's, uh, I mean, and that all affects like how the ball moves. And, um, so I kind of just, I listened to uh, Coach Kelly and Coach uh, Coach Brendan Kelly and Coach uh, Jordan Eady um, about that because they're very very knowledgeable and um, and you know yeah I mean it's great to have coaches that know what they're doing as far as the data analytics side goes because there's a lot to learn but um, yeah, yeah. Uh, did you have any other specific like data questions? No, as far as data goes, I think we're good. I think that was a good deep dive. I think uh, Edie does a phenomenal job. I know Jordan uh, met him over the summer and kind of just pay attention to a lot of things he does with prime time uh, velocity. And then also obviously doing some things with Wayne State too as an assistant coach there. Always does a good job. Uh, coach Kelly always does a good job. Dealt with him a little bit over the years through Arsenal and all of that. So glad we got to dive in deep there a little bit. So talk to me about uh, your days at GR. Give me a uh, give me a moment that you remember something quick about a game. Uh, maybe it was from your senior year, junior year, whatever, any year in school, uh, your most memorable high school game at GR. Oh, that, I mean, that's, uh, I mean, I've had quite a few games, but uh, probably the most memorable was getting to throw uh, a no hitter against our, against our rivals, uh, Alan, Alan Park Brini. Um, and I mean, that was a great, it was a, it was a close game. We were, it was uh it was OO for a while and uh, we ended up getting, getting a run in and, um, you know, I was able to hold it, uh, hold them, shut them out for the no hitter. And, you know, being against our rivals was even more special. And that was during the district championship game, uh, I believe. So uh, that, that would probably be the biggest moment for me. Coxie. I remember the game. Well, uh, I, well, I don't, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't there that year, but I, I remember like watching it on Game Changer. <laughs> so, you know, how, how these things go. I was watching it on Game Changer and biting my nails the whole time as we were playing. Um, but anyways, I appreciate you coming on the show, man. Thank you so much for your time and uh, good luck this spring, man. We're looking forward to watching you. Yeah, I really appreciate it. 
Thanks for having me on. Uh, you guys do a great job. Thanks. Appreciate it. Thanks, buddy. Fantastic couple of interviews there uh, for this seems like an unofficially official pitchers week on cold weather bats with two college pitchers joining us. Brennan Cox from Wayne State, Aaron Ball from Tulane. So to, to round things off here, Brian, I thought it would be pretty interesting if we each selected five pitchers and you can use an order if you'd like if you'd like to just name them without any agenda that's totally fine as well but five pitchers from the state of michigan regardless regardless of class we you and i both are having some talking problems here today regardless of class uh that we believe to be the five best pitchers in the state so we will start with you give me five guys huh are we sticking on the high school side yeah absolutely this this okay, is this well, is for our high school coaches and and our and our players at home. <laughs> okay, well I'm not I'm not gonna rank them. Um, I'll just I'll just go with the first five that jump into my mind. Uh, I mean, number one, I, how can I not say Brock Porter at St. Mary's? Um, that's a obviously self serving answer, but I, he just hit 98 yesterday. Um, I, Brock is really really good at pitching and throws the ball not slow. Certainly I like the term self-serving a lot, by the way. I think you'll have some success this spring for us. Um, you know, the change-ups dynamic, he's a really good athlete. He's still really projectable. The breaking ball's coming along. Like, you know, obviously think Brockport is pretty good. Uh, then I'm going to go right downriver and say Otten Bright from Trenton. Um, he's in the 21 class, obviously, a guy who will have – Lots of scouting interest this spring based on what he did on the circuit. Uh, I think if the fastball command has developed, then he's going to probably have a choice to make um, when it comes to July and what he does with the next step in his career. The off-speed stuff's already very good. Um, Yeah, just I'm a big fan of his. Um, Jeez, let's see. Let's keep uh, taking a look around. Um, All right, Uh, I think Gavin Brzozowski out at Portage Central is very talented. Um, the lefty who's committed to Tennessee, uh, the Kalamazoo guy. It's it's kind of like that combo of stuff and funk. Um, you know, he's kind of got that, like, sort of lower slot at times, sort of coming at you with his front side, like lefty deception stuff. But then it's also, you know, upper 80s with a slider. Uh, pretty, re- really, really good there. I've liked what I've seen from him over the years. I'd imagine that he's going to have a really good year. Um, I was a big fan a couple summers ago, though I haven't seen him in a while. I really liked Nick Good uh, at Gross Point North, the the lefty there. He, he's committed to Bowling Green now. I saw him at like 80-83, um, kind of in there, 80-83, maybe 81-84. Absolutely, really, really, really dominate, like the, the best team elite team at 16U WBA a couple summers ago. Um, kind of an undersized guy, but really, really pitched. It was a good curveball that he landed over both edges. He was always pitching backwards, always keeping guys off balance, and just kind of following along. I know the stuff has ticked up from him a little bit, so I think that that's really good in addition to what I already liked. Um, gee, man, how about how about you go, and then we break up us talking for a little while. Yeah, I think uh, there are a, a lot of great arms in Michigan, uh, much like there is a lot of talent. But I think there are uh, there are a ton of arms out there. Uh, and I got to start, I think, at the top with the guy. 
might sound a bit biased from my alma mater. You mentioned him too, Micah Ottenbright. I think he's a kid. I, I saw him since he was 14, and this kid has always had the makeup. He's a, I like to think of him like a silent assassin. He doesn't. He's not going to say a lot. He's not going to show a, a ton of emotion, but he's going to go out there and do the thing. Uh, he dominated at Trenton as a freshman at the JV level, uh, and that was when I was on the staff there. So you saw that, and then that developed into what he's become now. Like you mentioned, uh, you know, a couple command things that need to be fixed and fine-tuning there. Um, but that hammer, that curveball is just absolutely gross. And when you can, you can hum it up to the low 90s, and then you can – put a secondary on that with a, with that hammer i mean that is that is something that you don't see a ton of uh, at the amateur level and micah has always had that going for him and that that command is getting better and better uh, but he's he's got what it takes to i think um be a draft pick here uh, next year uh second from that uh and then i should mention these <laughs> i made my list and i think three of them maybe even four of them are arsenal kids or in some way, uh, which I feel bad about, but I, I'm just being honest here. Uh, Avery Goldensoft, Michigan commit, Swan Valley, a uh, guy who, who sits in you know high 80s, low 90s guy, but again has that secondary. But really, this guy is kind of different because he has that emotion, um, and he plays with that emotion. And he he really wears it on his sleeve, and he goes out there, and that's really what uh, gets him through games. And I saw him go down to PBR Nationals. This was probably two years ago against Georgia Jackets, great team, and he went all seven. I maybe it was six and a third and hummed it up to 90. That was when he topped out at 93 and he, uh, he dominated that game as well and carried uh, Arsenal to a big win over the jackets. Um, and then I think Wyatt Dan Alowicz out at, uh, out and he plays for diamonds. Uh, and he's a kid who is committed to Louisville, uh, West side kid, a lefty who throws it up to the 90 mark. I think his max might be like 89, but uh, regardless, a kid that I've seen dominate far too many times to not think of him on this list. Um, when, when you can go out there as a lefty with that sort of velo and then mix in those, that secondary, that's that's something. And then I obviously have to mention Brock Porter. Uh, it would probably be unfair not to. He's probably got the highest ceiling. I mean, and he's definitely probably, when you're at 98, you can, it's fair to say he's probably the best pitcher in the state right now. Um, and then to round it off, uh, I got two guys, Tommy Schapansky and Carson Byers. I mean, I can't, I can't keep one of those guys out. So I'll add in six. Those are two guys who are different. Uh, Schapansky, a tall right-hander, uh, Carson, uh, like a five, seven, five, eight lefty. Um, but Carson is just an absolute gamer. I've, I've hardly seen any kid go out there and just purely play the game and, and, and dominate it. And he has as much emotion as anybody I've ever seen play the game. Um, I think he understands that people look at him differently because of his height and uh, his build. And he just goes out there and, and owns that and um, throws it right at you. And usually kids can't hit it. I mean, it's either a high eighties uh, fastball with movement coming in with arm side run, or he's going to mix in that, that curveball that he has that slider he has and that changeup he has all, all great pitches. He's got a fantastic arsenal. He's probably the best pure pitcher I've watched at the amateur level in the past three or four years um, in Michigan, at least. So those are my picks. I think an underclassman to look out for those Kyle Remington, Kyle Remington guy mm-hmm. ran it up to 87, 88 last year. I think uh, more like 87. And he went out there against Ohio elite, great team, great Midwest team. Um, he went six and a third with no, actually, no, he went all seven, gave up one hit. I think it was a, there was one out in the seventh inning when he gave up his first hit of the game, 13 strikeouts. I mean, when you go out there and you do that against a team like Ohio elite, that's that's saying something. So he's a kid to look out for in the future. But yeah, those are my picks. And it's weird to it's weird to look at like the twenty three class in Michigan, and it might be the most talented class ever in terms of like volume of high level players. And they haven't played a single game of high school baseball yet. 
and how you know however many of them are, are committed already and, and high level places and um, I'm just pulling it up right now. I'm looking and I'm seeing one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Ten power five commits in the twenty three class already from Michigan and they've yet to play a single high school game. Um, I think that's really unique and, and I think we could, you know, maybe comment on a couple of those guys, but like we don't know, you know. Yeah, it's let's hard see to how they play. Let's see how they do this this spring, man. I, I think those guys as well as the the talented players of the twenty four class, it just let's see first. Um but I'm with you, man. Like you could talk about your tits worth from from Frankenmuth. You could talk about Kyle Crow from Fenton, uh, as far as guys who are looking really talented in that class. Ethan Easton Story from Brighton. I've seen Sam Schaefer from Jenison. That's oh, yes. funky, man. Man, that's, Sam Schaefer is fantastic. He's probably a top three arm in that class, I'd say. And he's a guy who can two way for sure. For yeah. sure. Explosive, explosive, like 87 with life from a lower slot with a slider that goes the other way. Like he plays that X axis game really, really well. And um, think he's going to be a, a power arm. Yeah. While we're on that, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but while we're on that, uh, Josh Klug is from that team too, along with Sam Schaefer. And he's a guy who's had, he, I think he just posted a video. He's at about 90, 91 now in that 23 class. And he's a guy to look out for. He is a heavy, heavy thrower. So I really like his game. Hell yeah. Um, okay. Jeez. Uh, Where do we go from here, man? <laughs> I think we just take I think we just take them all home. <laughs> I didn't know if we were gonna end up with this segment being longer or shorter. We didn't really plan it out. We just figured we'd talk and then go away. And and I think that's probably what we're gonna end up doing. Um, so to close it down one more time, you can follow the show on Twitter at Cold Weather Bats. Please get in touch with us if you want to be involved in the Super Bowl, the cold weather bat Super Bowl, top 25 teams. Um, follow the Brandon more who are Twitter. involved, the more accurate it will be. Exactly. Exactly. We don't we don't want this to be like the eight guys we know in Metro Detroit and us trying to formulate like, no, man, like, let's get the southwest corner of the state in and let's talk to Grand Rapids folks. Let's get their opinions. Like, you know, let's get up into the the northwest part of the state, like Traverse City. You know, I want representatives from everywhere. I want to be able to to really put out who we think the best 25 teams in the state are on a biweekly basis. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's a thing that, again, it attributes to that goal that we've had to to grow this this uh, presence of Michigan baseball and I think that's a big step is having a consistent um, you know level a measure of where each team is at and I think that I don't know you can look at it in one of two ways you can say hey I don't care about rankings whatever that's great but I mean you could also look at it as like hey this is this is a measure of our success as a program as a team right now like this is where we're at this is where we want to be and you know et cetera, et cetera. it's something that it's something that hasn't been done. You know, there hasn't really been a Super Bowl in that regard. And, you know, we want to start with, with 10, but maybe we take it to more. The, maybe we get a bunch of input, you know, uh, and, we, and we, maybe we grow it to 15 or 20 or whatever, you know. But we got to start mm-hmm. somewhere, and I think it's something that isn't out there. Um, and those who rank it, no offense, but, like, 
I feel like if we get a coach's poll that's consistent, that's more accurate than a media poll, in my opinion. But that's no discredit to those who might try and make a, a ranking throughout the year. Um, I, I just know that like M Live probably does one, but I would say this one's probably going to be one that we can look at as coaches closest. Um, and I think it'll be, I just think it'll be a cool thing. So we just need participation out of you guys there. We've gotten quite a bit, but the more the merrier. Uh, but with that, I think that puts it close to episode seven. Again, another very successful one that I, uh, I just, this is fun, man. It's just, it just continues to, it continues to evolve. It continues to grow. We continue to make less errors throughout our shows, which is, you know, humbling. And, uh, yeah, I'm just, it's just a good time, man. Dude, you know, like there's things that we have to do for our day jobs that are like weekly things that take three or four hours or whatever that you just don't look forward to at all. This is the total opposite, man. Like, I'm like, all right, cool. Like, when do we get our next interview segment? Like, when can we record? Like, we're texting each other all and forth, back and forth all the time about like show ideas and what we can do bigger picture and like how we can expand things. And like, it's just, uh, it's really, really been fun on our ends. And so, as usual, we wanted to say thank you to everyone for listening and, and um, accepting this passionately and, and so on and so forth. And as always, a special shout out to our producer, James, uh, because the show would not happen without him. So <laughs> thanks again, James. Yeah, absolutely. James the GOAT always is, always has been, always will be. He's like the Bret Hart of podcast production so james we thank you uh with that we'll wrap up episode seven and like you said we will probably get right to it and finding out our next guests and uh you know giving them their proper introductions on twitter before the episode comes out so be sure to look out for that follow us on twitter so you can follow along at cold weather bats i think it's about time we make an instagram we'll keep you posted on that um but until we get there you can follow you can follow brian on twitter at b underscore sikowski underscore pg and you can follow myself at coach underscore B justice. So be sure to follow along. Uh, let us know how you like the show. Give us a five star rating. If you uh, feel so, if you feel so nice and we will see you guys, or at least talk to you guys next week for episode eight of cold weather bats. Take it easy, Michigan.